date straight once this morning. Is it the 28th? 28th of November, yes. You're on. Right, 28th of November, 2007. Um, a lot going on, as you've heard from the words that uh, come forth. Is it okay? I think so. Okay. Um, it's, it's interesting because I did ask the Lord whether I should be recording the stuff on a Wednesday because it just seemed that nobody ever wanted it and, and uh, there it sat in the corner and I thought, what's well, a bit of a waste of time and labour? And then someone came, was it yesterday or day before? Monday. Just Monday. And um, she took the first four, I think, of the CDs because she wants to find out she can't come on a Wednesday because she works but she wanted to find out what was going on so she's tootled off with those so it's obvious that actually the the Lord does really want it to be recorded for whatever purpose so whoever is going to listen to this this morning when we get there um, this is by way of a preface to what I was saying when you first came in about um, the first commandment you know and God um, jealously yearning for the entire devotion of our heart we'll come to that in a minute um, but what the, the scripture he gave me this morning was um, he asked me to open up at Galatians so I did he said open at Galatians and I'll show you something so I opened at Galatians and he showed me something I was heading for Galatians 5 of course because that's where we're looking at the fruit of the spirit but what caught my eye was Galatians 4 verse 19 my little children for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed in you and you know we've been looking at this and seeing that the fruit of the spirit is Christ in us it is Christ being manifested through us it is not something that we do or work at what we do is make enough room for the Holy Spirit to live his life through us and that's the whole message of the fruit of the Spirit that we get this agape love at the center or agape love at the center of us the unshared love at the center by choice that we choose to put him first and that pushes everything else out I'll try to show you that later on but the word I was given this morning was clarion call and uh, it's interesting what's come in as a result the prophetic word there and I looked it up a clarion call is a call on a medieval trumpet with a clear high-pitched tone so what I'm saying is not unclear and you will understand it I believe the message isn't general but specific so just listen carefully to see if it applies to you I have these words in my heart that God is issuing a clarion call to action that there is something some of us need to do to bring ourselves up to speed with what God is doing and requiring of us right now I don't believe the word is for all of us most of you are endeavouring to keep up the pace but there are some, maybe only one, who is lagging behind. And beloved, 
this call is for you because if there is a straggler a lamb hanging back the wolf will be on the lookout for it so I want you to examine your hearts this day before God and allow him to show you where you're hanging back what is it he's waiting for from you right now what is he asking you for it's interesting I wrote this you see long before I knew any of this and what I wrote was you have to understand something about prophetic ministry it will keep on telling you the same thing or die trying the message will not change until you do so you will keep hearing the same thing over and over again in a different format until you respond that is the purpose of the prophetic in your midst specifically it will call for obedience from the heart not for external conformity but from the heart the inside and this ministry here that I have deals with heart issues not behavior modification not guilt social pressure mind control evangelicalism it calls for you to think right get your heart right remember that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what's uppermost in your heart will come out of your mouth if your conversation is filled with things that pertain to you guess where your heart is it's all about me Jesus and all this is for me that's not right is it Kate it, when I was writing this that's what came to me and I thought no, that's not right it's all about you and all this is for you but sometimes it's like it's all about me and the heart is where you live from where your core beliefs are it's possible to have a cross on your lapel and a Babylonian heart life goes on pretty much the same with me at the center and no real change except that I put a religious front on everything so let me remind you of the scripture in Colossians which says <coughs> Christ in you the hope of glory in your heart that's Colossians 1 27 two ears one mouth I was going to get my picture you know of the guy with the piece of plaster across his chops and two huge ears I need to remind some of you of this what comes out after the meeting isn't edifying examine yourself what is your main topic of conversation is it all about you or is your concern about what's been said during the study or are you straight into me myself and I straight after the word it used to grieve me so much when I was at Paddock Wood Christian Fellowship that immediately after a message from David the talk would revert to football and cars if it was men children husbands jobs and holidays at this time of the year and at this time of the year Christmas as though God hadn't spoken it re I really really could not understand it David would come out with the word from the Lord I'd be sitting there poleaxed listening still going on in my spirit and somebody would come up and start jabbering about the price of cabbages just consumed with themselves if you did want to do business with God you couldn't because you were pinned down by these people who couldn't think about anything but their own affairs and insisted on telling you about it 
There was no digesting of the word. That's just that's that till next Sunday. And what was happening was they did not discern the Lord's presence. They didn't discern his presence. They were carnal Christians, unable to receive the spiritual. They were yet babes. And with us it should not be so. The presence of God is in this house. I've been talking to the Lord on and off about this issue for a week now because he had actually said to me, I want you to say something, and as is, is the case, one is a bit reluctant. Um, but what he actually said to me was, well, if people can't keep their minds focused for two or three hours on a Wednesday morning, then it's a pretty poor show. And recently, he, some people have been told to take their shoes off before they come in. I didn't tell them. They were on their way down here. Take your shoes off before you go in. When you're told to take your shoes off somewhere, it's because the presence of God is there. You have a look. Take off the shoes. Because God's here. So if you don't discern his lovely presence when you come here, then you do need to ask him to show you because you are yet carnal. You have no understanding of the word that is coming forth which needs to be addressed. This is Father's house and you are welcome here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm looking for is spiritual awareness in you. This house is always full of joy and laughter. Ask Amanda. It should be because God is a God of joy and laughter. And and he is understands the way we function and and we have a lot of toilet jokes in this house but that's okay but he is at the center and that is why we are full of joy beloved when we're at the center we make a very small and boring parcel we are behind time in the purposes of God and we need to begin to take our Christian walk seriously this word this morning, I mean, it just is amazing to me because it articulates what's been going on in my spirit, knowing that we'd had a paradigm shift in the spiritual atmosphere, absolutely aware of it. Um, but out here in the sticks, and, I, and there is nothing I need to do about it. I just do what God gives me to do. I don't have to go out and stand on the housetops and shout it. But what you think about God is, is the single most important thing in your life. It's not, repeat not, what is going on domestically for you that is important. If you focus and your primary thoughts and everything is on that, then you are off-center. You're off-base and you're decentered. If you think of a little cross like that, and if anybody who's thrown a pot knows if you don't throw the pot straight, when you start to, to pedal it, it'll do this and it'll end up all over the place and off centre. It has to be in the centre so that you can form the thing and bring it up into a shape. So you need to be centred on Christ and his purposes for your life plus nothing. Because everything flows from this. If you've got a problem, share it and we'll pray. But watch what is coming out of your mouth after the meeting, please. And I don't want, I said to the Lord, I'm really am concerned about the way this word's got to come out. 
because if this isn't for you don't go into condemnation it's a specific word given to me this morning and I believe it is for a specific person so you can come and ask me just like at the do you remember the school if you wish because I know who it's for and as lovingly as I can say it it's time to shape up change is here to stay, stay. and that's what moving on with God's all about constant change constant excitement it's brilliant because he's brilliant as I said I'm a genius tell him I'm a genius he told me to say that <laughs> Graham would say but he actually said that to me in the bath after I typed this this morning I'm a genius at that when I was concerned about how I was going to teach Amanda to do war of good warfare because as you go on you'll find it's one thing to get free it's a totally different thing to stay free and the tests and the battles come um, and so we have to know how to war a good warfare hard words tough times God's building an army and right now there is a selection process going on and I feel like a sergeant major you horrible lot except that I don't think that you are a horrible lot I think you're a lovely lot I see you as the raw material with which God wants so much to build his church so much he desires to do that to make you into living stones fitly knit together but he can't and won't do it without your cooperation your cooperation is absolutely vital it's the way he is free will as Graham would say if you're not cooperating you're just silly <laughs> I love it the way he says it you're silly he doesn't bring a, a harsh word he just says you're just silly because you see you're on a hiding to nowhere you're not going to win God's not going to give up he's just going to put the pressure on he's going to bring circumstances about like it said in the dust storm that you will not like because there are some parts in that thing about the dust storm where the glory of God was and the storm was not troubling the people at all I actually feel as if we're in the middle of a storm but we're right in the eye of it I can sense the storm that is going on around right now in my spirit I know and people come people phone up I mean the, the phone rang at, what was it one we clocked at 10 past 8 this morning but there'd been one before that and 20 past 9 last night was the last call we had um, things are stirring up and people are not knowing and the reason is because we're off centre we're decentered. we've been focused on our own lives and not realising that God has got a purpose for us so Galatians 4.19 I never know it's working or not my little children for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed in you and this whole course as I said earlier on is about Christ being formed in you about a yield of fruit coming from the Holy Spirit within you I've learned ever such a valuable lesson over the last 24 hours there's a man called F.B. Mayer and he wrote a little book called Meat for the Master's Use and in it <clears throat> he speaks about take 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 whatever you need take it and I never ever ever understood what he meant 
I never understood it. I thought, well, I can say that I take it, but it doesn't actually work out in, pra in, pra in practice because I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I have very difficult people to deal with that in my natural self I probably just want to gently wring their neck because in my natural self they will pit me off right, left and centre. <laughs> and just recently I had one of these people coming to me um, and we keep going over the same thing and that's fine because God gives me the grace every time he clicks in every time I pick up the phone it's him that answers not me and then I've got this coming again and I'm dreading it because this time I've got an all day session and I'm thinking I'm tired I've squeezed out my last drop I think the real me is going to come to the surface if I'm not careful so I thought Father I'm not going to ask you to give me patience, love, joy, peace but I'm not going to do that I'm going to ask that your love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness and self-control will flow through me as I see this person. I took what I needed by faith from him. I did not have a problem. Not one because we will come up against people who rub us up the wrong way. We cannot make steal ourselves and I'm going to be gentle with this person. I am not going to lose my rag. The only way is to appropriate by faith the quality you need. Father, I need you to be patient with this person through me. I need you to love this person through me. That, I realised, overnight I've realised how profound that is. That is taking what you need, but you're not saying give it to me that I might do it. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is his life being lived out through you. That is the practical way it happens. Because we can try to crucify the flesh pull ourselves up by the bootstraps for years and I've heard people say I've got joy licked I'm okay I'm, I'm, I'm right okay with joy I've got victory in that I always used to wonder what they meant I've had a load of things falling into place over the last week absolutely brilliant the new year is going to be really good because after the Christmas cracker we've got uh, the role and, and function of women in a society the home and the church and after that we have got what submission really means and you're going to throw your bonnets in the air girls and then we're going to hear what authority and leadership really means because the church has got it so wrong and God is putting it right and for me in my little corner of the vineyard this is my job just to get the word out it's not like that actually it's like this and the young lady that came last night, she came out with the three primary things, didn't she? I said, I was interested, I'm teaching on those three. And then I threw in covering as well. I said, oh, by the way, you might be interested to know, as I've always said, there is no such thing. You can't look up the word covering and find it in the Bible because it isn't there. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's an offshoot of the shepherding movement. 
where you had to put yourself under someone and you couldn't do anything unless they gave you the agreement. Anyway, so learn of me because it is the easy way to do it is to say, Father, this day, don't ask for patience because as Graham says he can't spell. It comes a T, cartload of trouble. What you ask for is let your patience be displayed through me. Because it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So if I try to revamp the old, he is not going to cooperate with that. He's not going to cooperate with me rebuilding myself and making myself a bit better and feeling pleased with myself at the end of the day. My word, I didn't lose my rag all day today. It is Christ at the centre. It is this unshared love. And the reason that he asks that we put the first commandment first is that it's the only way you will ever be able to walk this Christian walk by determining in your heart my love is unshared I'm going to put the first commandment first Father enable me to love you with all my heart my soul my mind and my strength you are on the way to being centred because if you see it like a little pin here's this little wooden man here right in the middle now he's decided that he is going to have the agape love of God ruling his life it's the same thing as with the seed that seed has been planted if we water it it's going to sprout and grow but now we're looking at it as agape love which is selfless self-giving love pours itself out for other people does not want what it wants for itself we'll look at the giants in a minute that are in the way of it but if we make that determination Father I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind and strength, that is sown centrally in our hearts and it will begin to push out. And what it pushes out is the eros, the self-referential love. Now, if you are centred on eros, which is yourself, what is it pushing out? Answer me, please. You're pushing agape out. Because agape is not going to inhabit the perimeter. It can't get in. Because there's so much of us, it's pushing it right out. So you get Paul saying, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all new things, all things are new. And some churches say, well, that's it. You've got no past, nothing to be dealt with. It doesn't mean that. He means there is within you the ability to live the life that God wants you to live because he's in there to live it. So it comes back to basic choices. God has got to be the most important single thing in your life. What you think about him has to drive you. Because as it drives you, it pushes out the eros. It just shoves it out till it can't, can, it can't live there anymore. It takes the striving away. Because you make the decision, you are going to be central. Centre me on the cross. Centre me on what God, Jesus has won for me. Keep me there. Hold me there. Lash me to the mast. It's not a struggle. You've made the decision. And then the Holy Spirit will tell you every time that you are veering away 
Excuse me, where are you going now? I'm just having a carnal moment. Well, enjoy. Because <laughs> you won't enjoy it. You get to the stage where you do not enjoy having a carnal moment, believe me. It Because it affects your communion with him and so you don't want to do it. That is why the Holy Spirit yearns for the entire devotion of your heart. It's not that God is some sort of ogre that wants the centre of your being and you're not to have affection for anybody else but me. That is not it. He knows that whatever has our heart has us. So if it's your house, your car, your children, your job, your husband, your you name it, you put your thing in, it has your heart and renders you useless and powerless for the kingdom. And the kingdom cannot grow within you, because why? Because the heart of you has got been got by something else. It's been got. It's been had. So it's simple. Father, teach me by your Holy Spirit to love you with all my heart. So because it's not because it's for my good. Because then when you bring these awkward, snotty-nosed people alongside me <laughs> who soak the front of my blouse and put their lipstick and their um, mascara all over me nice clothes, I won't be fussed a bit. I had a lady here the other day, bless her heart. God, just, I just put my hand out to pray for her and she collapsed on my bosom saturated my, my, my blouse, your blouse, right through, mascara, lipstick, absolutely soaked right through to my underclothes, <laughs> and bless her, I thought, I wonder if she'll notice, I wanted a little bit of, a, I wanted a little bit of acknowledgement that I had a wet blouse, I realised, never saw it, never noticed it, because what had happened was she, she'd actually gone into about a five-year-old, and her sobs were like a five-year-old child. You could hear it from her voice. Because God had just touched her. You know me in clothes. I like nice clothes. And I don't like my clothes mucked up. But I've had to put them on the altar. If they're mucked up, they're mucked up. Because they're not important. <laughs> but the healing that God worked in that lady is important. So whatever is your little idol in your heart, this is why it's not the thing per se, it's the space that it occupies. So if I'm sitting on the throne of my heart, I've got to move my buttocks over and let Jesus get in there and sit. I, I do not teach on that which I have not lived, I'll tell you. I've got to move it over. You were warming it for him, weren't you? Sorry? You were warming the seat. For I him, was, I was helping him out. Well, you know that picture I had that time? Um, I'm sitting on the lap of someone driving a car. Like this, I'm going like this. I'm driving this car. I couldn't see through the windscreen because I was too low. And, I'm... and then suddenly I saw these great gloved hands on this steering wheel. I mean, they were big fat fingers, you know, leather, brown, steady on the steering wheel. And I'm going... And I thought, I'm not driving this thing at all. 
God's always always akin to that picture that I have where I was a lamb in Jesus' arms and I'm sat there with my little hoofs hanging down like this looking out on the flock and I'm looking up at him or like I see the underneath of his beard and I'm thinking I like it here this is nice I'm in his arms you know looking at the flock and they're all munching away and there's some over there and I thought oh dear I feel a concern coming on so I looked up at him and I said is there anything at all that I can do to help like that just waiting for the answer he didn't say a thing he just continued to look steadfastly at the flock so I looked at the flock and I looked at their feet and then I looked at my feet and I thought, I'm one of them. <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't until you like the two pathways you come to see. composed ourselves again so you see it's, we cannot do anything and the sooner we come to realize that we cannot ever do anything for God at all the only thing we can do for him is to cooperate and make it easy for his Holy Spirit to make room because the whole course this whole business of fruit of the Spirit is about Christ being formed in you about a yield of fruit coming from the Holy Spirit within you and the whole of the Christian walk is about his increase and your decrease but it isn't painful it's only painful if you resist it's about displacement it's about actually getting rubbish out so there's more room for the Holy Spirit that is all it is more room for the Holy Spirit we can when people bless them they say to me oh I really want to do something for God and I'm thinking would you like to hold the ladder you know well it's a Young Lola used to be the one. She she had to get there holding the ladder when the Lord was placing the stars up there. Otherwise, she wasn't sure if it was going to be done right. You know, I mean, it's we we've got to rethink ourselves. Really, we've got to rethink what it means to be in Christ. As, what was it? Uh, Smith Wigglesworth realised what it meant about the Holy Spirit. He was walking by the sea one day and he saw a bottle bobbing about in the water. And he said, the water's in the bottle and the bottle's in the water. And that is how it is with us. We are in Christ and he is in us. The water's in the bottle and the bottle's in the water. We are surrounded by him and he is within us. And to the extent that we will allow that bottle to be filled, bobbing about in the ocean, we become one with him in terms of we think the way he thinks he as it says there he will tell us his secrets but he's not going to tell his secrets to carnal Christians he's not going to throw his pearls before swine he ain't going to do it so you were saved unto something and that something is righteousness and conformity to the image of Jesus I think it's Romans 829 so if what you're hearing here is just another Bible study and it's not applied moment by moment it's wasting your time he will not increase you will and the result will be that little or no fruit will be seen Do you remember when we looked at the garden of our lives Romans 829 no, I'm running it. No, 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 I'm looking at Romans 9. It'll help if I got into one. 
For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So interesting it is the church will you will hear arguments about predestination. Like major on the minors. The major bit here is the confirmation of us to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He wants to bring forth a lot of sons so that the manifest glory of God might be shown because Jesus is living his life through us. And it's not just a warm, fuzzy or a religious feeling. So he needs to increase. Otherwise, you'll be left with a little or no fruit, but much top growth and large leafage. So, having said that, we'll go on to have a look at the things that prevent us from bearing fruit. Um, I'm feeding in this whole issue of Eros versus Agape love because we, you'll see it so much more clearly. Uh, and right now I want to introduce you to some giants. And these giants, I mean, there are many more than these that I'm going to say, or offshoots of these. Uh, I haven't yet had time to, to, to really assimilate the fullness of the blighters. But it, it ends up with us being bent towards the creature, which is us, rather than straight for God. And it ends up with us in an Eros prison. I showed this to someone the other day and they actually said, I'm in an Eros prison and my prison is feel good um, because I want to feel good in every situation. I don't want my comfort um, affected. I, want, I don't want to be shifted in any way. Um, so I will uh, do anything to keep my comfort. Interesting. So the seven giants are look good, feel good, which is actually the basis of all compulsive behaviour. It's an attempt to feel good and it's probably the basis of all addictive behaviour. Because at all costs we must feel good. Be right. Stay in control. Have a hidden agenda. What we really want. Personal advantage. What's in it for me? And one of the biggest ones. Remain undisturbed. I do not want to be disturbed. The uh, Bob Mumford who teaches on this said, uh, <coughs> a stage during his... Um, Christian Walkie said, I'm going to get five, five acres and a German shepherd and I'm going to teach it to, to bite everybody who carries a Bible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the dog's got to be able to read, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 
So the whole thing, the the whole uh, blockage to us being able to give over our, that that it blocks intimacy with the Father, because while we're busy uh, trying to look good, you know, and that will be um, saying things to give a good impression. It will be giving impressions that are not true about who we are, what we do. It is trying to create an image. And how far will I take it to ensure that I continue to look good? Will I not stop at actually just bending the truth a bit, but will I begin to tell untruths in order to keep people thinking that I am what I'm not? And feel good, as I said, is the basis of all compulsive behaviour. It is an attempt to feel good. And I was really quite surprised by this person when she said, that is my one. I had seen, uh, as soon as I started to talk about needing to give things up when we come into the real deep things of God, there will be things and relationships He will demand of us. Uh, if you want to go this way with me, that's got to go. It's going through the narrow space. It's got to go. Uh, and as soon as I would start to talk about that, this cloak would come over the face and I thought, we're in a no-go territory here. But I did not realise what it was. It was the feel-good. It was the giant feel-good. And also working in concert with the giant control, stay in control. Mm. I will control the circumstances surrounding my life in order that the giant remains undisturbed. <coughs> so when you begin to ask the Lord what it is... Um, that is holding you back from that intimacy with him and there are times when it is a healing issue but once you've gone through the healing process and that is dealt with it is then the giants that we are so unwilling to actually face in our lives um, and the whole of our society and I'm certainly the Western world, is swinging into an Eros prison and the church is following it. Because the church at its best is not loving God for who he is, but for what it can get. And as you know, Bob Mumford calls that raping God. We go from receiving and responding to grasping as soon as we feel he's not delivering the goods. How many of us, I'm not getting anything out of my quiet time. Who said you were supposed to? <clears throat> you see, it's the Eros wants to possess, control and acquire. That, that snake wants to feed itself all the time. Who was it that said they saw a, a fish that had its head in its mouth like that on holiday? Just yesterday, someone here said, you know that Eros snake that you described there was a fish on a slab that was it, last week somebody said was that. it yeah and it looked just like this thing with its head in its mouth and its face or whatever it's got it's <clears throat> so eros manifests itself and it ties up 
with what I've been talking about when we started. It's not what comes at you, it's what comes out of you. It's what comes from you. That's how it will manifest itself. Because if you, in the work that I do, I listen very acutely to what people say to me. And, and I, I'm picking up all the time because I have to, and God, it's a God-given gift. I can see where you are theologically. I can see where you are faith-wise. I can see where you're putting your trust. I can see where your heart lies because I can hear it coming out of your mouth. Another secret weapon I have, I say, Father, just let it come out of their mouths, please, so as I can see exactly where you want to go in. So people will come in and, and find things, the most unexpected things, coming out of their mouths. Because in order for me to do my job, I need to hear so that they can be aware that they have just said it. Because you cannot persuade someone into something, you've got to let them hear it come out of their own mouths. When they hear it coming out of their own mouths, oh, so I did. And you're then on the way to a repentance or a change of mind and thinking a different thought. So the Eros prison is these seven giants intensified. They look good. What will I have to do to continue to look good? Feel good. As I said, the basis of all compulsive behaviour is an attempt to feel good. Eating, drinking, sex, television, couch potatoes, you know, not having a quiet time, not reading the Bible. I don't want to do it. Don't make me feel good. <laughs> we have this feeling in the West that we have to feel good. And it's, it's a lie. God is not about the feel-good factor. Life is not about the feel-good factor. Life is about living in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and along the way, painful times. There's a word of Graham Cooks there that he says, and I hear it every time I hear it, I will pour out over your life all that is necessary. Now you might hear that and think, oh, oh, oh I'm going to be blessed. I hear that and think, uh-oh, there comes another cartload of <coughs> horse manure. Because for me, that is what he's saying. I will pour out over your life everything that is needful to bring Christ out in you. So if we're sensible, we're going to actually cooperate with what he wants. Otherwise... We're on a loser. So there's look good, feel good, be right. <coughs> this is why marriages and churches split, because the other person won't yield. Do you have to be right? Because if you do, you've got the be right giant. Will you not let go because you think you are right? when there is a disagreement. I, I'm just asking, I mean, you just can answer it for yourself. I used to be like that, but now I don't care diddly squat, really. I have a lot of time, I have to bring the truth into a situation, but whether someone wants to hear it or not is not my responsibility. All I have to do is to bring the truth. 
If they won't understand, I'm certainly not going to argue them into it. I lay it down, and you have the choice then to do something about it. But right and wrong really don't come into it. What comes into it is lordship. When Jesus came and uh, stood before Joshua and Joshua said, Whose side are you on? Jesus said, No. He doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. And he comes to your heart this morning to take over. As I said, not because of any selfish desire, because he, he is fully other than us. His love is always towards us for our good. We want to receive that love as like a bag of sweeties all the time. Ooh, yum yum, what's in it for me? What's next after I've had this? I want to be blessed, I want this, I want that, I want the other. He says, what if I want you to be a living sacrifice? What if I want you to be broken bread and poured out wine for other people? What if you made that the goal of your life? to be broken bread and poured out wine so that you might nourish somebody else how would that change your thinking because we're coming into a new year on Saturday we're going to in the afternoon after I've done the um, it's a cracker I actually feel that the Lord wants me to teach on 1 John 1 9 because an awful lot of people don't understand that scripture is there and they say, I don't hear from God, I can't hear from God. Well, the reason they can't hear from God is they have unconfessed sin up to the eyeballs. Because they don't recognise what sin is. And I've got a nice little list succumbing to flattery. Flattering someone to get what you want, they're the top two. Not that they're in any order. Oh, you're so good at that, Sue. I'm flattering you in order to get something out of you and that is Eros because I've got a hook there I'm drawing you by flattering you so that you will do something for me that is Eros as, as absolutely as you see it you know well this time of the year I must buy a present for so and so because otherwise what have you got to do you've got to please that person hook that's not a straight arrow that's not a godly arrow that is I've got to please them otherwise they're going to be out with me uh. where does it come back to oh the hook points back to me anything you do or say or think and it, you find it pointing back to you you know you're in Eros it's ever so easy to do what am I wanting out of this oops a daisy what am I wanting out of this classic book men are from Mars women are from Venus how to get your needs met through other people the absolute classic eros but God wants to straighten our arrow out so that we're, we are not trying to get anything out of anybody we want to give because God is a giver and he's conforming us to the image of his son so he's going to make us givers he's going to straighten that arrow out it's a hideous thing I had an experience the other day, only Joyce knows about it because it was really quite nasty. Um, I think it was Sunday morning. And I hadn't heard from I hadn't heard from my son since Friday afternoon or something yes, Friday afternoon. When he dumped on me, uh, walking, he phones me when he's got a moment. 
um, on the way between the station and the office, or the office and the station, and I got the full dump of his week, which was had not been good, and he was this and he was that and he was the other. And I hadn't seen him since the end of October, and I thought, you know, it's time I started to, it's time I saw him really, and my mind began to wander off towards feeling sorry for myself, I recognise now, and I began to feel really ill. It was like something cold came down over my head and my shoulders, a pair of hands gripped my shoulders, my breath was going out of my body. I wasn't frightened, but it was the most, I thought I'm dying, most unpleasant thing that I can imagine, you know, I just faded, began to fade away. And I said to the Lord, I think I need to go down and ask Joyce to pray for me. don't know what's caused this. What's caused this? He said, you went into your emotions and you ministered death to yourself. So the right response was, Father, I'm so sorry. I allowed it to teach you a lesson and you're going to tell other people about it. We minister life or death and I come back to what I said at the start, what's coming out of your mouth. You're either ministering death or life to people by what you're speaking. That's it's never any other way. It's either life or death. Is what I'm saying going to edify, build them up, Minister life, are they going to be taken on in God by what I'm saying, or are they just going to be pulled down because I'm talking about the price of sprouts? Are they, am I actually drawing something out of them? I mean, it was just my thought. So you may say, well, that's disproportionate. But what he said was, you came out of walking in the spirit and you walked in the flesh. And for me, I cannot live anywhere else and I guard it than walking in the spirit. If I'm walking in the flesh, I have a physical reaction to it because people are saying to me now, you, how can you be your age and have the, do the day you do? Start seven or half past in the morning, still going at ten o'clock at night, answering phone calls, praying for people studying the word, getting ready for tomorrow, it's disproportionate. 72 coming up. It's not, it's not normal. But you see, what happened to me the moment my mind, here's the key, strayed over there, death worked in me. It worked in me as surely as eggs is eggs, and apples is apples. So if you want to live long in the land <laughs> and fulfill your purposes, you need to learn to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. And one of the first things we need to do is to control what is coming out of here. And to control that is to see where our heart is set because we've got to go back to where it started. What is it that, where is it I'm speaking from? Where is it I'm speaking from? Where am I speaking from right now? I'm speaking from my spirit, because it's a message from God, 
He wants to turn you, to move you, to bring you on into his purposes so that when this dust storm hits, you'll be one of the little bright lights. I personally do not want to be one of the bright lights that's not ready to move on. <laughs> that jumped out. I said, Lord, don't want to be that. It's every individual choice. You cannot lump yourself together with your husband or your wife or somebody else and say, oh, well, I'm, it's because he's not me. I have to be like this. No. You stand separately before God. He judges your behavior, not Fred's. You know, if Fred don't want to come, that's Fred's lookout. He's not going to get your reward. Your reward's your reward. So it comes right down to number one at the end of the day. You get to choose those two pathways, the word that's following here. God is getting serious with his church. Um, for me, I want to know, know this apostolic... No, I don't, actually. It's secondary. It's actually secondary. Whenever I hear a word like this, I think, Lord, something wrong with me. What's coming into my mind is, you know, the uh, oopie-doo, I want to be like you, I want to walk like you, talk like you do. <laughs> Another one, who was it? King Louis, King the Louis. Jungle Book. <laughs> I, signs, wonders, miracles are secondary to me, and I think there's something wrong with me. I ought to be wanting to see legs grow, eyeballs grow, but that is not what is primary on my heart. And what God has just reminded me of is this prayer of Graham Cook's. Father, we thank you for the call of God on our lives. We understand, Lord, it's not a call to ministry. You didn't call us just for that. It's a call to be like Jesus. We understand that there's a primary call and there's a secondary call on our lives. And our primary call and our goal is to become like the Son of God, to be made in His image. That is why I'm not after the signs, the wonders, all that bit. If that comes, brilliant, that's up to the Lord. But my primary call, my goal, is to be possessed by God. Forgive us, Father, when we have allowed the secondary call to become the primary focus. And we understand, Lord, only too well, that many times we have allowed the ministry to grow to the point of idolatry, where it comes in between even you and us. Father, we reject that in the name of Jesus. We ask that you will give us the grace to put our ministry in its proper place and to understand afresh that we are called to minister to God and our very lives are meant to be a living sacrifice where the image of Jesus is stamped on each one of us. Thank you that the primary call, the primary goal, is a call stamped on each one of us. Thank you that the primary call, the primary goal, is a call to character and not to gift. It's a call to personality and not to the promotion of gift or ministry. It's a call to be like the very Son of God. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit in our lives is allowing us to make the first commandment first. That we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. 
Father, we willingly lay our ministry on the altar and only ask that we will have the privilege in these days of becoming like Jesus. And then through that, doing the things that Jesus did. And then doing greater things. As he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. How often we glibly say that. Oh, that he that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. I mean, if you're in Pentecostal circles, you used to hear it all the time. Don't know what it meant, but you know. It means he must increase, I must decrease. Help us understand the processes that you use in order to bring those things into a living reality in our life and experience. That our ministry will not be our downfall, but that the character of Jesus will sustain us and uphold us through all the situations of life and the circumstances of ministry and the call that you are stamping upon our destiny. So we pray that you will give us ears to hear and a willingness in our hearts to embrace the truth in Jesus' name. And you know the prayer that I pray very often, and he does, is correct me severely and deal with me ruthlessly. Because for me, that is the only way to make progress. You've got to allow the Lord to deal with you. Otherwise, you're going to be going round the mountain till he comes, if you see what I mean. Uh, um, just to finish with this. Uh, uh, if this is how this is for the Wednesday group, I wonder what the discipleship group's going to be like. <laughs> I will be giving you all little slips of paper because what the way the Lord has told me to do it is to give everybody a slip of paper and if they want to apply to come on the discipleship course I will then pray and ask. That is the way it's going to work out. So that I will come before him with all the pieces of paper or, or none uh, and um, find out who it is he wants on that. But I'm thinking, does it get any stronger than this? <laughs> easier that one just, you know, <laughs> rolling off a log rolling off a log one so here we are the scripture on the top is I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice that's Romans 12 1 and if you don't do this every day then start to do it because it's something I do every single day of my life I present my body a living sacrifice to God holy and acceptable unto him which is my reasonable service. And I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind that I might test and approve what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God for me. Comes right back down to for me. And I pray that prayer every morning, personalise it, that's mine. And I also personalise Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I trust in you, Lord, with all my heart. I do not lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge you, that you may direct my path. And the other one, I think, is Proverbs 17 or 16, 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. 16, 3. So I say, Father, I commit my works to you so that you will establish my thoughts. What was the first one? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 and Proverbs 16, 3 and then you can go knowing that whether you achieve what you think you should achieve during a day or not 
is governed by God because he has taken your thoughts and directed them into his priorities for the day. So you're not dashing from one thing to the other, trying to get one thing finished. I have so much I need to be addressing right now. It is absolutely... I've given up trying to keep the balls in the air. So I just do what he tells me to do. Yesterday morning, I think it was about 20 past 7, he suddenly said, you can get on with your study. And I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. Because I'd been wanting just to get 10 minutes of January study under my belt. Because it's a big study, the role of women. And, and, and I need to cover it thoroughly. So I need to do a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of sifting, a lot of waiting, a lot of, you know. But here I got with my laptop and I probably got a paragraph done. So the satisfaction went in there. And I thought, thank you, Father. And I knew he'd indulged me. <laughs> given he'd indulged me in it like Graham says I'm indulging myself in this and uh, but it set me at peace for the day because I've got a, a hefty schedule through the day uh, someone here all day and that uh, that is a hefty schedule um, because you're you're focused on what is going on with that person trying to hear what God is saying lead them into the direction he wants to go get out of them what he's trying to get out of them and finally sink exhausted in a heap at the end of the day. But no, you don't. Um, it's, uh, so, anyway, here's another one. An African pastor was overwhelmed by the rebels who demanded that he renounce his faith. He refused. The night before they took his life, he wrote the following lines on a scrap of paper. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast, I've stepped over the line, the decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look, up, look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed and my present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need, here comes the chance, preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer and labour by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions few. Doesn't sound like the feel-good giant, does it? My guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up or burn up till I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till he stops. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problems recognising me. My colours will be clear. And the prayer at the end of it is, Lord, develop in me the perseverance and faithfulness to pursue your goal for my life, even in the face 
of rejection. One Wasn't it Jim Elliot that said, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose on the night before he went out and faced the Orker Indians and they killed him, didn't they? Um, so, I mean, we need to consider just a little bit, really, the fact of the uh, Islamic people. They die for what they believe. No feel-good factor in there. They are so convinced that what they believe is right, they're willing to lay their lives on the line for it. Leave you to think about that. I'm looking at the book here, it says, Dare to Discipline. <laughs> oh, bless you, and on that note, thank you for listening. <laughs>